Hey, Bethel Cleveland listeners. We just want to remind you that we've launched a brand new show called the Steve Witt Podcast. Each week, join Steve Witt as he goes further into the word and he offers his unique perspective on the things going on around the world. You don't want to miss this, so check it out. Search Bethel Cleveland on Apple or Spotify Podcasts. Enjoy. Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. All right. You guys ready to dive into the Word today? That's good. Today we're going to continue on with our uh, food series. It's called The Wonder of God. Now, before I dive really deep into Scripture here, while I was sick, I, I rediscovered something from the past that some of you might remember. Does anyone remember what a church bulletin is? <laughs> Did anybody fold church bulletins here today? You know what I'm talking about, some of those trifolds, a lot. There was a lot of information. That was, for those who are, you know, post-2000, that was pre-social media, how we announce things. We'd print it and fold it and hand it out. Um, I found a list that was really cracking me up. It was called the most famous church bulletin uh, errors <laughs> and typos. So I wanted to read a couple of these to you because I thought that you'd get a chuckle out of it. So here's the first one. You ready? Don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. <laughs> Low self-esteem support group will meet Thursday, 7 to 8.30. Please use the back door. This is one of my favorites. At our evening service, the topic will be, what is hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. <laughs> this one's a little risky, just hang with me. Weight watchers will meet at 7 p.m. in the church hall. Please use the large double doors at the side entrance. <laughs> okay, just two more, hang on. Mm, I love these. You can't make this stuff up. Please remember in prayer the many who are sick of our church and community. <laughs> and this is the best one. You ready? This will scratch that itch for you. It's funny. Prophecy conference canceled due to unforeseen circumstances. <laughs> Oh, gosh, that was good. <laughs> you know, after a couple Sundays at home and watching online, I might cough a little bit, but not too much, don't worry. Ashley and I are really appreciative of you. We love you, Bethel Cleveland. We love how hungry you are for the presence of God. When, you, when we sat in our living room and experienced worship, we could hear you in the background and I think it's really easy in the week to week for us to get used to each other, to get used to that kind of appetite for the presence of God. You know, being out for just two, three weeks, I'm not over it yet. I'm not over your hunger. I'm not over the way that you pursue God. And I'm just really thankful to do life with you. Um, let's dive into the word. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. 
seeing that hunger in you, I wanted to remind you that your hunger activates the promises of God in you. This means that the promises of God that he's put in you in seed form become nurtured by the actions that your hunger inspires. And this is because hunger drives behavior. How many can become hangry when you don't eat? There's only three of them. That's okay. We're good. Every, I know there's a lot of spouses in the room who are looking over going, <clears throat> come to the marriage weekend. We could talk about that. Transparency, communication, I think, is a topic, right, hon? Um, hunger drives behavior, so we can become hangry and focused and determined when hunger is driving us, right? It's why we're blessed when we hunger and thirst for what is like Jesus. But you got to think about it. The whole world, they're driven by hunger, the, the constant appetite for more. Proverbs 13.23 says, The lovers of God will have more than enough, but the wicked will always lack what they crave. I just thought that was so interesting because it just brings to light what I felt like the Lord called the mirage of hell. It's an illusion. Everything that we crave in the world, whether that's notoriety, security, success, fame, they're always in the distance leading us to a waterless place. They never satisfy because they weren't designed to fulfill anybody. So the world chases its appetites trying to replace what the Lord has intrinsically made them to receive, to be fulfilled, right? So we're looking for, at the bottom line of it all, something that adds to us, something that makes us feel secure, safe, stable, apart from God. And none of those desires will ever lead to fulfillment because God's not the tempting little side dish on your life. He's the main event. We were made for him. And we'll never be right until we're in union with him. So, you and me, we were designed to be in a circle of relationship with God. I wanted to refresh your mind on this with the Trinity, all right? Now, if you grew up traditional like I did, this is how the Trinity works. Father's in charge. Jesus does what he's supposed to do. And the Holy Spirit is that gas. You know, that the minister says when the meeting's getting real good. Just that mysterious ethereal force. But here's the deal. You weren't designed to necessarily exist within a hierarchy, like in the world, everything is a hierarchy, right? There's gotta be somebody in charge because there's never a understanding that we are submitted to one another and seeking the best interests of each other, right? So hierarchy has to exist to preserve the status quo. But in God, inside of himself, the relationship he has within himself as the Trinity, there's never been a need for that because he's perfectly in alignment and submitted to himself. It's a perfect circle of relationship. This is really important to get. That's why it's so critical for us to understand that God is a trinity because if relationship didn't exist within himself, then that would mean that he created us out of something that he didn't have and the need that we would need to fulfill, right? So in the circle of relationship with God, he is completely satisfied and utterly fulfilled within himself. And from that posture and position, he created us. 
So when we come into a relationship with God, it's not about being equal with God. It says in Scripture that Jesus himself didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. It's an understanding that we are invited into this circle of relationship that the same way that God relates within himself, the blood of Jesus has paved the way and given you access to relate to God within that relationship, right? So you're designed to be in a circle of relationship with God. And sometimes, well, always, the world, and to be honest, the church wants to sell you on the idea that your dream is going to fulfill you. And sometimes taking it down the, down the road in the church, we sometimes make it feel like whatever it is in your heart that you purpose to do is God's dream for your life, right? Dreams originate from God. He designed us in his imagination before any of us ever existed. We are all realized dreams from the Father's mind and heart. But I think it's really important, and I want you to get this, that God didn't need his dream to materialize for him to be fulfilled. He dreamt and created because he was fulfilled. And I think this is just a big pressure that the Lord wants to take off of you. Your relationship with him wasn't the missing piece in his heart that he needed to fill. He's always been complete within himself. The beauty of his design is he, he made us this way. God finds so much joy in you even though you don't complete him. This is hard, right? Even as I'm talking, it kind of hits up against everything that westernized and culturally that we think about. To hear like God doesn't need me to complete him goes against everything that we're led to believe, right? Because we believe that our dream will fulfill us, and we believe that finding true love will fill the, the missing piece in our, in our heart. Each one of us walked in this morning, and we've got a checklist of things that we believe will bring us fulfillment, that if we could just lay a hold of those things, then our life will matter, and it'll be significant. And the hard part is, for anybody who's ever achieved a life dream, you can talk to them. I've asked, I've, I've researched, ask them what happens when you hit that dream, they describe it like being at the top of a mountain all by themselves. And they say, well, now what? Right? Not that there isn't fulfillment in the dream. I'm just trying to say that there is no fulfillment apart from him in that dream. Amen. Amen. <laughs> he loves to partner with you in your dreams, but your fulfillment, what you've been looking for, that missing piece, that desire in your life to feel that you've achieved or, or, or laid hold of that which you were created for is only realized when you live in connection with him. And you can only do that when you're connected to the present moment of your life. Right? Like so far this time I've been talking, how many of you thought about lunch or work? I'm kidding, you don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> Being connected to the moment is hard, right? Because we're always planning for the future. We're always planning for something down the road. And there's a lot of good reason for that. There's a lot of wisdom for us to have to do that, right? But when we're always planning in the future, what I'd also like to challenge you is when you're making your plans for the things you're trying to work out, how often do you include God as part of those solutions for the problems you're working out? Most of the time, if you're being honest, even a couple minutes ago, 
you're probably thinking about what you're going to do absent of God's helper involvement. It's a contingency list, right? We spend our time focusing on the future. But the secret is finding connection in the moment with him right now. Let's hop back to Matthew 5, 6. If you hunger, you'll be filled. If you want the righteousness of Jesus, you'll be filled. And God wants to fill the hungry today. So turn to the person beside you and tell them that you look hungry. (laughs) Say it in a positive way. Don't say that they look like they're mad or they're upset. (laughs) You look so hungry, man. What's wrong? Come on. So we're continuing on with our food series today. And uh, today's topic is called The Wonder of God. And one of the wonders of God is that you will always see him revealed in everything that he creates, right? Like a signature on a work of art, everything points back to him. So for the first week, I'm not going to lie to you, while I was sick, I just kind of sat there comatose, just, you know, like just watching whatever... TV series, movie, reels that you do, right? When you're sick and you're just trying to, like, distract yourself. About a weekend, I just started thinking deeply, you know, existentially about life. That's just what I do. (laughs) And I was researching, and uh, there's a new statistic out about scientists and their views on God. Now, if you had to take a wild guess, you'd probably assume that at this point, based on most of the information out there, that scientists, by and large, are not believing that there is a God, right? It kind of goes way back with roots with Darwinism and evolution and Big Bang and all that. But you'd be surprised that today, in 2022, that over half of scientists believe that there has to be some kind of higher power at work. So the wonder of God, and what we've talked about a lot today, is his signature, kind of like his hidden Easter egg that reveals who he is. And the first place that you look, well, I like to look, is the word, right? Because so often when we have questions or we're looking for God, for whatever reason, we go out into the world, we don't dig into the word, and we just ask people who agree with us. You know, especially if it's something faith-centered or doubt-centered, we find other people who have doubted as well and affirm those beliefs, right? And I feel like it's kind of countercultural to dig into the word and say, Lord, what do you say about this? So in his word, this is fun, there are over 400 messianic prophecies. God left his hidden Easter eggs throughout scripture. How many enjoy Easter eggs? So there's artists out there, I won't name the big artists, but they love to put what they call Easter eggs in their song lyrics and in music videos, and we're all pretty obsessed with finding out what those are. Um... That's a creative thing that God does. He plants himself in scripture and reveals himself over and over and over again. So one of the ways that God proved himself is through the Easter eggs hidden throughout the whole word. Um, Peter Stoner, he, he's a uh, college professor. He worked with 600 students to figure out the probability of just eight of the 400 prophecies being fulfilled in one person who had lived up to present time. You ready? So, like, they did a study saying if one person fulfilled eight messianic prophecies out of the 400, what would be the odds of that person? And the number was kind of crazy. The result was one in, it was more than trillion. It was 17 zeros behind it. 
Lee Strobel said it would be like, uh, he's the guy who wrote The Case for Christ. He said it would be like you, you covered the entire face of every continent with um, tile and let somebody wander for a whole lifetime and only bend over to pick up one tile that had red painted on the back of it. Out of all the, the billions of tiles all over the world, only one has red on the back. You let someone wander forever and only pick up one of them. It would be the same odds for Jesus, that, like that Jesus would pick up that one tile over all the continents of the whole expanse of the earth and pick up that red one. That's the odds of those eight prophecies being fulfilled. So God's made himself pretty clear about who he is. And the wonder of God is that he invests the same level of attention, promises over your life, as he does the natural elements around you revealing his glory. He's found in the extraordinary, and he's found in your breakfast. Praise God. It's why the food series has been so revelatory, right? Because food is a natural element that can connect the soul and the spirit. Like our natural body hosts a spirit. Food can be a vehicle for spiritual renewal and revelation. I'm just doing time in my head, guys. I want to make sure that we get to the meat of this. Food is a sensory experience on many different levels, right? How many uh, enjoyed Pastor Steve's charcuterie part of the message with the cheese and all that? Pretty genius, right? It really did marry the physical and the spiritual together. Um, I know you guys have an orange in your hand. We're going to revisit that later. Fight the temptation to start peeling now, okay? I know it's hard. But food is a, a sensory experience on so many different levels. It impacts your spirit, right? Like when Elijah was being chased by Jezebel, he was so depressed that it says he went out into the wilderness to die and to give up. He was so discouraged But then the Lord fed him lunch and gave him a nap, and he was able to go on to the mountain of the Lord. Sometimes when you feel like giving up, all you need is a Holy Spirit-inspired meal to give you the strength to be able to go on to the next place that God has called you, right? Food can also be comforting. I hope I don't get in trouble for sharing this one with you guys. When Ashley was pregnant with Josie, I think it was Josie, right? The French toast. First trimester was pretty brutal, right? I mean, I mean, a lot of moms in the room, right? First trimester is not always the, the funnest, right? <laughs> um, Ashley felt like she couldn't really eat anything, um, and she was just discouraged and upset about it. And we drove over to Steve and Cindy's house, and Steve had this brain away from the Holy Spirit, and he just went in the kitchen, and he made her French toast. And she hadn't really been able to eat anything for, for a while without feeling sick. And it was like this magic French toast. She was able to eat all of it, and it nurtured her soul and nurtured her spirit, right? When the Holy Spirit partners with just a simple loaf of bread and some eggs and sugar and all that, you infuse the Holy Spirit in there, and it can create a moment of restoration. It can bring peace, Right? You're welcome. You guys can get um, brunch after church today. (laughs) On a physical level, food can be healing or a hindrance, right? Like my uh, lactose intolerant people who insist on having ice cream or gluten-free people who love bread, right? It It can be challenging. 
The journey of food from selection, preparation, serving, eating, and then unseen levels later, digestion, nutrition, does it hurt or help? What its effect is over time, what happens when you eat too much, this is a wonder and a complexity that God really is the only always ever present observer. Something as human as food and a meal is interwoven into the spiritual. Do you guys want to know why a sandwich tastes better when someone else makes it? Anybody? I was researching this. I thought it was really interesting, right? Um, I thought it was because of the love in the sandwich. You know, when someone makes you a sandwich, they say, oh, it's because there was love in the sandwich. I mean, I can't confirm nor deny if you've had love in your sandwich. But I will say that they did like this whole expansive study on it. It was so funny. The reason why you don't love your sandwich as much when you prep it yourself is because it takes longer to prepare and you focus in on the individual ingredients. And as you're making it, you actually like desire the food less when you see it broken down. Right? So it's that combination of time it took to prep and understanding all the components. Right? So I would make the argument that you are a triune being. You've got your body, your spirit, and your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions. And we experience life served to us like a sandwich, right? We want to eat it in its entirety. And so that's the beauty and the wonder of God is that your spiritual being, you have an eternal peace inside of you that exists with all that temporary. And in the same way God's revealed through the creation of your body, he wants to be reflected in the creative intentionality of how you do everyday life and even your meals. Hmm. When I, when I was back in Youngstown a couple years ago, um, my grandma passed away. She had dementia. Um, that's such a, it's such a hard disease to watch, right? Because over time, it feels like they're gone long before they've left the building, right? And there's not that recognition in the eyes anymore. And it kind of rewinds you back that if you're a parent, it feels like you did when you first had your baby. You're not ministering to somebody's mind anymore. You're ministering to their spirit and their soul. They might not recognize or be able to tell you that, but, but you're ministering to the spirit, right? And so I came back because we, my grandma, we called her Mimi. She was, um, she was going on a downward spiral, and, you know, her life was coming to a close. And so I, I came with Ashley, and we went into that hospital room. And let me tell you, it was not like the movies, um, her, her roommate loved Madonna. And so it was like blasting like, like a prayer and all these like, I mean, it's just such a weird position. You, you hear like, when you call my name, it's like a little, and, and there's maybe it's just like, it's so weird that, you know, <coughs> life is still happening for this lady. Life's happening. She's, she's, she's rocking out to 80s Madonna. And my family looks over and they ask if, if I would sing. I'm not sure how that story went down, but somehow they're asking if I would sing. And my, my grandma had a, a tougher life. She never, we never really saw the full fruition of the Lord kind of in her life. She heard the story. She was a recipient of the gospel message, but it was never really clear what happened, Right. And so I'm sitting there thinking, what do you do? What do you, what do you sing over somebody where their mind not, might not be there? But to be honest, 
we don't know what's going to happen down the road, like when we arrive in heaven one day or what people have been hearing or receiving in their spirit. We, we don't know. So I was asking the Lord, and I remembered that old song, um, Lord, I'm amazed. I don't know if you remember it, but the verse is what stuck out to me because it says, you dance over me while I am unaware. You sing all around, but I never hear the sound. And it's part of the wonder is recognizing that when we weren't aware, when we didn't know if God was there or not, that he was singing over us. He was dancing over us. And the wonder of God is starting to recognize his signature. That everything we are is alive and real within God. Everything in nature points to him and reveals who he is. And you can see it everywhere. You see it throughout scripture. You see it in the lives of the people that you love and that you're connected to. And his nature is more clearly seen as what he has created is more explored and known. You can see it in his code, his signature, in something as natural as food. Everything leads back to him. Every discovery, element in nature, or physical function reveals who he is. So today, I want to bring you back to the Last Supper table where you and I were together last when I was speaking for the power of communion. And you can look in Luke for that. I think it's Luke 22. The Last Supper was on the day that all the Passover lambs were going to be sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John to go ahead of them and to secure the upper room. Now remember... Passover is a meal that every Jew is going to participate in. I found an amazing description of it. It says, at, at Passover, every person should feel as if he or she was going out of Egypt. At the, at the meal, they begin with the story of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and recount the Jewish people's descent into Egypt, recalling their suffering and persecution and as they relive and hear these stories, they imagine that they are with them as God sends the 10 plagues to punish Pharaoh and his nation and follow along as they leave Egypt across the Sea of Reeds. They remember the miraculous hand of God as the waters part, allowing the Israelites to pass and then return to inundate the Egyptian legions. And as they eat bitter foods of affliction and poverty, Exodus becomes a reality, as real as the festive meal and the toasts that follow. <clears throat> if we could come back to that night and share that meal, I think we would appreciate the Lord's deliverance in a new way. And as you're skimming through 22, you can see that the wonder of God is that even the Passover meal prophesies of the sacrifice of Jesus. The angel of death was coming for all of the firstborn but if a pure lamb was sacrificed and the blood was spread on the top and the sides of the door foreshadowing the cross, 
death would pass over that household. Just like the cross at the head and the, the feet and the hands of Jesus, the Passover meal and, and the act of the angel of death passing is all a prophetic foreshadowing of what the Lord would do for you and for me. That Jesus, the lamb sacrificed before the foundations of the earth, walked into Jerusalem on the day that the Passover lambs were being sacrificed and set up a Passover table that would become the Lord's Supper and communion, beginning the events leading up to the death and resurrection of Jesus. He completed the law and the prophets. And a table of remembrance became a table of forgiveness as Jesus offered the bread of his body and the wine of his blood and blurred the divide between the natural and the spiritual, forever marrying them. Jesus took the chasm and the divide from sin and healed them in the blood of his new covenant. Hmm. And the wonder of God is that he's invited us to remember and experience this miracle every time we share in the Lord's Supper. So on that night, the Passover meal became a meal of forgiveness. And today, the Lord is taking from the Passover table to the Lord's meal of forgiveness. He's transforming it. And so some of you, you've come in and you've been sitting at the Passover table in your life. You have seen some things. Anybody here have a testimony about what the Lord's done in you? You've lived through some things. You've got some scars, might be bleeding a little bit, fresh wounds, but you're seated at the Lord's table thanking him for your deliverance. And today, the Lord wants to remind you that you are more than a survivor. You have a seat at the table, but he wants to release in you the heart of a victor. And he wants to restore the wonder of his name to you. The Lord is transforming this table, your gratitude for surviving whatever bondage you escaped from, into a meal of forgiveness. And this forgiveness is both from him and flowing from you. If I could get Joe up here on the keys. Can you guys show some love and appreciation for Joe for a minute? Mm. Mm. This man plays for hours. Anytime you've had like this guided encounter where the Lord is moving and flowing, you'll usually find him back there on the keys. We love you, Joe. Mm. I want to talk to you about forgiveness today because today we're talking about the wonder of God. And the wonder of God is that in this beautiful, chaotic, fractal of life, he's at the center of it all. And he wants to restore our wide-eyed wonder in the way that we look at him. Hmm. Let's talk about the power of forgiveness. You see, forgiveness... It's a tricky one because it's not complicated. It's not a multi-step process all the time. Sometimes the most revelatory and breakthrough moments in the kingdom are profoundly simple. We make forgiveness difficult, right? Sometimes we carry around wounds and things that people have said about us, let it become something that means something about us. 
and we walk around wondering why we can't let go of our past or why our past won't let go of us. A lot of times we have this confusion where we think that our story is just chasing us and we keep re reliving these recurring themes and why do people treat me the same way? Why do I keep experiencing the same betrayal, the same disappointment over and over again? And a lot of times it's not because our past has a death grip on us. Jesus broke the grip of death and every evil thing in your life through his blood. Sometimes it's because of unresolved forgiveness. That we haven't let, we haven't let people go. Forgiveness is a powerful thing but it's not always easy to release or to give. But that's what it does. Forgiveness releases both the transgressor and the victim. You see, forgiveness empowers the victim. It gives them their power back to shift their attention from their grip, to shift their attention from that desire for justice or for things to be made right or for acknowledgement so many of us walk around carrying unforgiveness because we think that if that person would just be able to acknowledge what they did to me, if they'd be able to recognize that the pain that I've walked in and these poor decisions or these, these bondages in my life were a result of what they did to me, that somehow I'd be able to let them go. I'd be able to let them off the hook if they could just fully understand why it's so hard for me to. And so we make our forgiveness conditional on a revelation for the person who hurt us to get it. And that's why when we forgive, we get our power back because we shift our eyes away from revenge or justice. And we, and we see it for what it really is. Revenge, justice, all of that. It's about being the judge. It's about elevating our, our, our position to God's. He's the one who's going to make it right. He says, justice is mine, says the Lord. So when we release forgiveness, we also allow God to be God and for us to be his. Forgiveness removes the cloudy vision and restores our sight to see the person who wounded us as God sees them. Can you close your eyes for just a moment? I want you to picture the person, if you're, you have that person who's popping in your mind that you've, you've needed to forgive. Maybe you've asked over and over again, Lord, help me forgive them. But for whatever reason, it's just hard. I can't do it. Picture them. The way that you look at your kids and the most precious person in your life is how God looks at them. And forgiveness releases you to not only see them the way that God does, but for you to be forgiven. And the person who is forgiven is released because they experience a taste of heaven, a small dose of what the gift of salvation feels like. Now hear me out. This doesn't mean a lack of consequence. It doesn't mean that trust 
or even relationship is restored. It just means at this table, we're finally able to see and experience what it's like to be forgiven by God, that in spite of ourselves and our sin, Jesus was still willing to be broken and bleed for our redemption. And in Jesus, we see how we are forgiven so that we can model Jesus's determination to redeem by forgiving those who have wounded us. Jesus said in Matthew 11, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Father, we, we recognize you today. Lord, thank you that apart from you, we don't exist. And that whatever's going on in any life represented here, that you are all in, you are invested in cheering for them right now in this moment. Lord, I thank you that the table of remembrance can be transformed into a table where we receive and give forgiveness that sets us free. Do you want your wonder back, church? It's simple. We surrender to him and we embrace the wonder of his mystery. And I want you to watch the redemption of Jesus be big enough for you and the ones who have hurt you. And this is our North Star. We look onward to be in the posture of wonder because there we can let down our guard and receive. And this morning, God wants to give you back your wonder. Maybe you've lost it in, in, in your busyness or your discouragement, your ritual, your, your repetition of life, your disappointment. But this morning, he wants to restore your wide-eyed wonder of who he is. He wants to show you that in every move of your life, from the moment you open your eyes to, uh, at night when you lay down, that he is there in the wonder. And if you look close enough, you will see a signature over every conversation, over every promise, over every act. He wants to give you your wonder back. So you can pick up your orange. And my first thought is this, as we come in for a landing today, slow down, <laughs> tune out the distractions. It's real hard to be full of wonder when our brain is always in the future, right? Wonder is restored when we're connected to the moment and engaged with God. So you can pick up that orange and you can smell it for a minute if you want. Pay attention to the way that it feels on your fingertips. This little piece of fruit, it's one of those signatures I was talking about, the wonder of God. It's a marvel of engineering, right? Every element crafted with intention, functionality, but not just that, beauty, fragrance, taste, healing. You know, we eat too fast, right? We, we just eat our food as fast as we can because we're so busy and we miss the connection of the moment. 
and our ability to receive the gift that is in food is dulled to the point where we think it's just a normal element, nothing special about it, just an orange. But funny how when you turn your attention to it and you look at it with the wonder of God, all of a sudden you can see his fingerprints and his signature all over it. So I want you to peel the orange. I hope that's easy to do. (laughs) And as you do that, ask the Lord to remove anything that has separated you from him. Let that skin mean something to you. Let it be unforgiveness. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's hurry. But you're prophetically peeling that away. As you do, you might get a little orange juice on you. (laughs) That's okay. Just allow your focus to be on the skin of the orange. What does it feel like? What's the texture? Don't rush through this moment. Let the Lord plant you in this present moment. I'm not sure how fast you guys peel the orange, so I don't want to rush you, but... Remember, you're prophetically peeling away whatever it is that the Lord is speaking to you today about. Maybe it's a specific relationship. Lord, I need to let go of maybe unfair expectations I put on this person. Maybe something that they didn't deserve. Maybe I need to peel that off so that I can see them the way that you do. And as you're peeling it, say, I release you. I release you. Now you can separate the pieces that you can eat. I want you to pay attention to the fragrance from the orange. I did feel like there was a creative miracle the Lord wanted to release today. If you've lost uh, your sense of smell uh, because of COVID, can you just wave at me for a second? If that's you, you can't smell or taste. All right, Father, Lord, thank you that in this restoration, Father, just pray that you would restore their taste right now and their sense of smell. Lord, what the enemy took and through that disease, God, I just pray that there would be a, thank you for your creative miracle. Thank you for your creative working right now that you're releasing over them. And you're bringing it all back. For everyone else, he's restoring your focus, your heart. He's restoring your hope and his promises and your passion. Just like this orange is at your mercy. You could squeeze it and crush it and make a mess everywhere if you wanted to. You are in the hands of the Father and at his mercy. And he is gentle and careful with your soul. Hold up the peace and let it represent the sweetness and the wonder of God. What's so easy to lose is that we get, like, like the sandwich, we focus on all the elements that make up our life and we lose the wonder and the passion of, the, of what it looks like when it's all together, when, however gloriously messy or, or unkempt it might look. We lose the wonder of it by just dissecting it into pieces that are easier for us to focus on when we compartmentalize. But the Lord is wanting to bring your life back to a place of centrality, a place of wholeness, that the Lord is at the center of it all and that we behold him in wonder and we are restored.
So with the sweetness and the wonder of God, let it be restored to you. You can eat the orange. I want to invite you to stand on your feet. Our ministry teams, you can come across the front. Pastoral care, that'd be great. We just want to pray and bless you today that the wonder of God would be restored for you. That our lives wouldn't be so segmented and atomized that we can't see the fullness and the beauty of God. So if you would put your hand over your heart, I just wanted to bless you today. I felt like in that first song of worship while Erica was singing this morning that the Lord spoke to me powerfully and he's, he looked around the room and he said, I am in, Jay, I'm in this moment in your life right now. I'm fully in. I'm fully invested and I'm fully cheering for you right now. I'm fully here with you right now. All in. And I don't know who needs to hear that today, but God's not just tolerating you. He's not just hoping that you squeak by. He's fully in with wherever you're at. And it's not a reluctant in. It's not a, uh, a, a regretful in. He's fully in wherever you are right now. And he is cheering for you. He's believing for your preferred future. He's looking at you and he believes in you. So Bethel Cleveland, in the name of the Lord, I bless you to have your wonder restored, that the Father would fill you with his presence, that you would see him in his entirety and his wholeness and, and, and marvel in the beauty of his wonder. God, I pray that forgiveness would be released, God, that all of the things in our life that we fixate on, all the weeds, all the, the, the tree instead of the forest, God, I pray that you would bring our perspective back to the enormity of who you are and the beauty of who you are. Lord, thank you for restoring the wonder. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.